0: Ion 2020, episode 91. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, Ray Eaton here, your host of ION 2020, the news source for the 2020 election from a libertarian perspective. Uh, coming to you Monday through Friday, bringing you the news and related events with regards to the lead up to the 2020 election. Those are going to be fighting to beat up on Trump. Trump's going to be fighting to beat up on them—Democrats, Republicans, uh, Libertarians, Green Party, any you know third party that's going to run a campaign, as well as independents. I you know cover them all. So, and that's what I'm going to be doing for the next 18 months now, until the election is over. So. And I might even go past that. Who knows? But I know that uh, what I probably will end up doing is I, I have a website called www.iontheempire.com. I know I don't use, need to use the www dot anymore. Uh, but anyway, I got that. com, And I'll probably end up transitioning over to I on the Empire, which will be the new name of the uh, the podcast after the 2020 elections are over. Because I do like to cover foreign policy as well as domestic policy on this podcast as well, not just covering the news that's going on with the 2020 election, but sometimes I'll focus on other things because obviously those things are going to affect the elections too, right? Things that Donald Trump is doing, things that the Congress is doing, things that are affecting you as an individual American, or if you're abroad, if you're somebody from another country, because I know about 7 or 8% of my listeners are from another country, How? Things that America is doing is going to affect you overseas. I've seen people that are listening in New Zealand, seen people that are listening in Europe, uh, over in England, seen some Australians that were listening as well as able to see those things. And uh, you know what America does affects in the you know, affects the whole Western world as well as the entire world. Obviously, we see our troops that are overseas in Japan. See the troops that are in uh, Germany. See the s- troops that are obviously in the Middle East. And now they're trying to move troops into Venezuela as well so I mean America really is an empire and really is a country that is trying to build and grow uh, across the world and whether you think that's wrong or right in my opinion I don't think that's what the founders of this country United States envisioned and I don't think that it's something that this country should be doing leave all countries alone trade with them be friendly with them you know if they have a major disaster or something like that maybe you know send that country some money or something i mean charitable contributions are obviously a good thing not from the federal government but from the people of this country but uh on the international stage leave other countries alone stay out of their you know stay out of foreign entanglements is what the founders of this country said and that's what I think that this country should be doing. So when I look at it from the empire perspective, when I have, when I talk about eye on the empire, it's looking at those things that this country that the federal government is doing that is infringing upon the rights of Americans as well as the rights of other people across the world. And that's what I want to do. You know, that's what I want to focus on as well sometimes. So along with the 2020 elections along with who's going to be the next president of the United States, along with covering those people. The main thing I'm going to be doing as well is bringing highlights of what this empire is doing across the world and domestically so that you'll know. Because it's always good to know those things, right? It's always good to be in the know. Not only so you can have those conversations with your friends and family, but hey, we got to need some comic relief as well. So make some memes, post some Facebook page posts, you know, uh, post some twi- tweets, things like that. I mean, that's always fun to do. So, uh, hey, but if it's your first time listening, I appreciate listening. Hit that subscribe button now so you can come back and listen tomorrow. And if you like what you hear, you could always give me a five-star rating and review. But check out the website. There's, a, there's where I'm posting news articles that I find, you know, just, you know, clicking links to those and so forth. And then, when you click on those, you'll be more informed. And that's what we want to do in this life, right, is be a little bit more informed. Uh, as well as, you know, everything's not political. I, My personal feeling, actually, is that I spend as little time focusing on politics as I can. Uh, weekends, I have a family. We go on adventures around the area that we live in, in this country. We spend a lot of time in North and South Carolina go up to Virginia, West Virginia, spend times in the mountains, we go down to Florida to go to the beach, we spend as much time as we can on other things because if I'm letting the federal government affect me so much that it ruins my life, then then life ain't worth, then then they're stealing even more from me than they currently do. They already take my income, I already work from January until April for free to pay for the government, I might as well take as much of my time back as I can. And get out there and enjoy life, right? And that's I think that you guys should probably think along the same line. I see a lot of young people that get so focused in on politics. And I used to be the same way in my twenties and in my thirties. Now I'm in my forties, early forties. Yeah, that sucks, right? You feel old. But anyway, uh now I'm in my early forties and I've slowly begun to learn. Like I think it was Maybe eight nine years ago, it might have been more recently than that. Actually, it's probably like 2000, yeah, 2010, 2011, maybe. I pretty much stopped watching the news. I stopped following Fox News, stopped following CNN. Uh, the only news I really watch during the week is I'll watch these a few, or I'll read or listen to the news. But when I watch the news, it'll be maybe one of the Sunday morning shows just to see what's going on. That's about it. You'll hardly ever see me have Fox News on on my TV. You'll never see me have MSNBC. I will read a lot of the news, and then I will sometimes have those Sunday morning shows on, but what I do is I download those as podcasts so I can listen to maybe the first 15 minutes just to see what they're covering. If they're covering something good, because those are where the newsmakers are going to be at, right? Those are where the people that are going to have the right commentary. The president will send his spokesperson there. You'll have people that are like the the newsmakers of the week. They'll be on those shows a lot of times. So it's not just a political opinion. And that's what you see you know, on the primetime news hours on all of the 24-hour cable networks is you'll see opinion makers. Essentially, people are just you know political pundits, and I cannot stand listening to those people. I do not need to be told what to think. I already know what I think. But a lot of people they follow those things, and they just you know when they're talking with their friends and their family, they're just spewing out the same rhetoric that they hear on TV. They're just getting their talking points from Fox News or MSNBC, and then they're and then they're saying those things. So, uh, I think it was you know 2010, 2011, maybe I pretty much started focusing in on not following the news. I think only thing I watched the news for about eight or you know seven or eight years or so. Um and then more more recently, I started getting into watching the Sunday morning shows again, uh, just to have an idea what's going on. But uh, there's way more to life than politics. That's my message right now: is that there's way more to life than politics. Uh, so you know, spend those weekends that you have. Spend time in the afternoon. Uh, if you have kids, spend time with them. Take them to the pool. Do whatever you know. Uh, get on the get out on your backyard and play some football with them or something but don't have all this all this focus on what's going on because these politicians, that's, that's what they want you to think. I've always said that Washington wants you to think that they're relevant. And the more you focus on that, the more you complain about it, the more they think that they're irrelevant and the more that they stir up the pot to divide people to make them even seem more, more relevant. But that relevancy goes away if the people just turn their backs on that on on the federal government. If you per- turn your backs on the politicians that are running it, then in some way they become less relevant, right? Um, if you If the communities come together and take care of themselves, then there'll be less need for the federal government to be in there uh, being do-gooders that they are, right? But I've been reading this book lately. It's called The Third Pillar, and it's, it's, a, it's The Third Pillar, How Markets in the State Leave the Community Behind. And it's by uh, Raghuram Rajan. And I think, he's a, I think he's an Indian from India, right? But he, it's, he's an economist from the Chicago School of Economics, and he wrote this book called The Third Pillar. And what he says, and it's very interesting, is that when the federal government does too much then it leaves the communities behind, right? It leaves the markets behind that are local as well. So how markets and the state leave the community behind. So when he says that the states are leaving the community behind, the state, which is the federal government, leaves the community behind because when the federal government steps in and does too much, when they're in control of the schools, this is the example that he gives, when they're in control of the schools and what is taught at the schools, then it leaves no... Accountability at the local level on what's being taught, they the teacher will just say, "Oh, well, that's what I'm told to teach." So then, what they're they're only teaching what they're told to teach. So they have less ability to come up with their own ideas and their own curriculum and their own way of teaching things because there's this one size fits all mentality. That's that top down approach. So in that example, the schools are worse off because the federal government is telling them what to do. Same thing with welfare on the national level. When you have the national welfare program, you're going to have less accountability at the local level. And when you have that local level welfare program, you're going to have a little bit more control of where that money goes to. But also, if there was no national welfare program as well, then you'll probably see a lot more communities coming together trying to help their poor because the charity in their mind right now is saying, oh, well, the federal government's going to take care of them. But when there's no federal government to take care of them, then the communities will gather together to help their poor as well. And you see that in a lot of things. So that's what he's talking about. And it's a really interesting book. But those the politicians in Washington, what I'm getting back to is they want you to think that they are relevant. And the way that they do that is by enforcing more and more of their will on you by giving these little teeny handouts that become be, become things that you expect, right? These little small handouts, the things that you expect, and now they become an entitlement. And now you look to Washington to keep that entitlement and to fix things for you and so forth. When in reality, it needs to come back home to the local community. And libertarians, I think most libertarians feel that way in the world that we're living in right now. So you have those people that are like, oh... No government whatsoever. We don't need a government, and that's fine. You could think that, but that's not the real world that we're living in right now, right? You could think from that anarchist, that anarchist libertarian point of view, that says we don't need a government whatsoever. Communities can work them, work on themselves. But the real world that we live in right now, there is a federal government. There are state governments. There are local governments. And what we need to do is be activists in a way that's going to take more power away from the federal government, bring it more towards local communities, and then ultimately come back to the individual. And how do we do that? That's the, that's the question that I think libertarians have been trying to answer since the very beginning of the party uh, coming coming around. And that's what libertarians have been trying to answer since there was the idea of libertarian. The idea of that libertarianist philosophy of individualism, of non-aggression towards others, um, of communities, you know, being self-sufficient on their own, and not self-sufficient as in we don't trade amongst each other, but self-sufficient as in you know we don't need the government to give us what we have. We don't need the government to tell us what to do. We handle our own issues. I think most libertarians want that to get rid of that top-down approach and move it towards a more individualist approach, but we're in the real world right now, guys. We are. And the real world says that there is a federal government up there. There are other nations in the world that have hostilities towards other nations as well. There are, you know, countries that our country would need to, like, we need to be protected from in some ways, right? Uh, If there was, like, an invasion or something like that. So you do, in the real world... I think you need some type of minimalist state. I know I'm going to catch hell from that, for saying that, from a lot of you guys that are more anarchists, but I think that there is a need in the real world that we live in right now for some kind of minimal state. And ultimately, let's get to that minimal state, though. Let's get on that bus. I think Jason Stapleton always says that. Let's get on the bus together and move towards liberty, right? Move towards this goal that we have, and you know what if the if we get to that if we get back to the point where it's just the Constitution, then we can have those arguments about where we want to cut from there. but right now we have a federal government that is control- in control of everything they confiscate a third of your wealth they they are in charge of your education of your children you know there's they're in ever there's in charge of the clean water the air the everything everything around you is controlled by the federal government so if i mean let, let's talk about how we could break those things down first because when we start taking control of these things when we start educating people about the defective the effectiveness of our federal government that things can be brought back to the local level when we start talking to people like that i think it's a winning message the the winning message is not tear it all down. The winning message is let's bring it back home and take care of each other. That is a winning message in my opinion. Um, and then when we start doing that, those, peop- those politicians that are trying to promise you all that stuff in Washington, you start to see them for who they are as just panderers. That's what you start to see. So Let's let's talk about that. Let, I mean, the, the idea is to make it so that these people are ir- irre- irrelevant at all in Washington. And how do you do that? By bringing it back home. And we have a huge movement going on. We do. Libertarians, we have a huge movement going on compared to what it was in 1999 when I became a libertarian. You might have heard me say this in the past on one of my shows if you've been a long-time listener. But when I became a libertarian in like 1999... You had... Ron Paul was a congressman, right? No one knew what a libertarian was. If you thought you were a libertarian, that's because you read something from Ayn Rand. You might have went to the... um, You might have taken that world's smallest political quiz. And you might have gone to the advocates for self-government webpage. And that's about it, right? Um, I knew I was a libertarian. I knew I believed in smaller government. I, I knew I believed in limited government. I knew I believed that you know, the government should have no control over what you do personally as well as what you do economically. I knew those things. I didn't really know the non-aggression principle at the time. I didn't know any of that stuff. All I knew is that when I heard the libertarian message, when I started hearing about it from one of my professors in college at the time, and he was was a free-market economics te- professor which is a supposedly a rarity in this world somehow I managed to get in front of this guy right at a community college in in Orlando Florida and this guy is teaching from his own book that he wrote macro and microeconomics and he's talking about free market economics and limited government and so forth and it just blew my blew me away it just made so much sense he was taught he was teaching from a Chicago school approach with a slight a bit of um, the Austrian school mixed into it, right? So that's where he came from. And then I started taking a philosophy class that started talking about individualism and the Ayn Rand philosophy and so forth. And it kind of pushed me towards that liber- looking to learn more about libertarianism. That's how I was at the time. But the there was hardly any information. You had to search and search On an internet that was like archaic at the time For any type of information And it just was not there The the ability that we have today To get our message out there is there You have me, an idiot commentator Essentially making a podcast And there's a thousand of us out there That are doing the same thing And then you got the really good ones Like Tom Woods Jason Stapleton The Lion's Liberty Dave Smith, you know like you have very eloquent people that are out there talking about the libertarian message that anyone can hear just by downloading on downloading it onto their iPod, downloading it onto their iPad, downloading it through Stitcher, any of these podcast apps it's there, and then you could get that message out there even more on the web. You can get that message out there through Twitter, through Facebook. But we've watered down the message so much that everyone wants to be an anarchist. Everyone wants to have that extreme point of view, which is fine. You can have that extreme point of view. That's great. Take that. Take that approach. That's extreme. You know, go further, the furthest away from government that you possibly can. That is the. That is the anarcho-capitalist. That's great. That's great for you. But we're living in the real world. Let's get there. You know, and we have the educational means to do that. We have the ways. To get this message out there, we do. But then the Libertarian Party chooses Gary Johnson to carry the banner for the Libertarian message because he's socially liberal and fiscally conservative, and that was his message. And I don't even know where Aleppo is, and I have no idea about foreign policy, and you want me to be the standard bearer of this movement. No, let's get someone out there that can... Give a message that is clear and concise. And that's what... The, the We have that ability, guys. We do. We have that ability as libertarians to get that message out there. You can do it. You can do it. You can, you can have influence within your community. You can. You just have to decide upon how you're going to do that, you know? But the, the, the information is there. There's so much good information out there. It's easy to find. Mises.org has... Plenty of great information, so it's there. Let's make it happen. You know, let's make this message uh, out, there. get this message out to the population, and bring people back to the idea that the federal government, all those people in Washington, they're irrelevant. They really are. All they're doing is trying to make laws so, to tell you what to do, to confiscate more of your wealth, and to give favors to their friends that's all they're trying to do they're trying to give favors to their voting blocks they're trying to turn us into tribes against each other so only what your tribe believes in is moral and true if it hurts the other tribe it's still moral because it doesn't hurt your tribe as long as it doesn't hurt your tribe anything is moral that's the subjective view that they have And that's what the politicians up in Washington, both Republican and Democrat, that is what they're trying to get you to believe. They're trying to break everybody else into, they're trying to divide everyone up into little small groups. You have LGBTQI. I don't even know what I means. I just heard it today. Like, that's a group to the Democrats, right? That's a group to the Republicans. Then you have the blacks. That's another group. Then you have the women. You know, then you then you have the Mexicans, then you have the illegal immigrants, then you have this group, then you have that group, you have the Christian right, you know, you have like all these different things. Like they're just trying to divide everybody up into specific groups because it gives them more relevance. But these these politicians are irrelevant in Washington D.C. They're irrelevant mostly on your state level, maybe on your local level. That's fine. You know, but we as a people can take care of ourselves. We don't need the Department of Education telling us what to teach our kids. We don't need the IRS to tell us how much we're allowed to keep from our paycheck, how much we're allowed to go out there and earn, how much, you know, how much our stock valuations, you know, how much we should be able to take out of our 401k, our retirement account without a penalty. Come on, that's not the land of the free and the home of the brave. That is a bunch of politicians giving handouts to their buddies, trying to buy votes and being and trying to create relevancy for themselves and that's all this is That's all it is it's been it's two hundred years almost of that, and that's what they're trying to do so um what I would say is get out there and stand strong you know we we have we have a moral compass that's focused on one thing as libertarians and that one thing is non-aggression and that's it and everything else is based from there that's our moral compass right we're gonna get along with people we're gonna act in a non-aggressive way towards the people and we're not gonna ask somebody else to do it for us okay and that's it so and all politicians they want they want to be relevant and they're not they are not relevant, so wow, I went way off on a tangent today, and I didn't even get to the news pieces that I wanted to talk about um but let well you know what I'll briefly hop into that okay uh Donald Trump, the big news of the day is this uh so I guess he the New York Times got a hold of his tax returns for the last 10 years previous to 2005, I believe it was. And so I guess it's 1995 to 2005 for 10 years. And supposedly he lost a billion dollars during that time. So he's in the red a billion dollars on his taxes. Um, I don't know that that's going to hurt him. I think that most billionaires and most millionaires have figured out ways around the tax system to show a loss. I mean, I deal with car dealers constantly, and what they do is that there's ways on their taxes to show a loss or very little revenue, very little income every single year. There's ways in the tax code to make that happen through expenses and through you know, different, different ways that they're doing that, as well as at the end of the year, you make a huge investment with that extra money along with some borrowed money in order to make it look like you didn't have any any income for that year but then that money is just sitting there in an invest, in an investment piece in inventory and things like that so there's thousands of ways that these people do that that's what wealthy people do is they're trying to pay less taxes obviously do you want to pay 40% of your income in taxes or do you, you know if you're a billionaire and you made you know 100 million dollars this year Do you want to pay $40 million to the federal government or do you want to pay some accountant a million bucks in order to save yourself $40 million? Absolutely. Absolutely you're going to do that. So that's not something that I think is going to really hurt him. I think most of his followers don't care either way. I think all it is is a little, you know, a little sideshow for the time being that the Democrats are going to jump onto. Um, I don't look down on him for that. I think it's great that he took a loss. Because he paid less in taxes. And I think that taxes are immoral. So that's how I feel about that. Um, and not to defend Donald Trump, though. Why? I mean, I, you guys know that I am an equal opportunity offender. I'll go talk bad about him, I'll talk good about him. And in that personal issue right there, I think that that's fine. Uh, the next thing is that he went ahead and used executive privilege not to release the full Mueller report. And I think that that is going to be a negative for his campaign. And the reason why I say that is because it's going to leave questions unanswered. And it's only going to allow the Democrats to speculate. And to talk about it on the news. And to say what was in it. And all this stuff. That's what they're going to do. Um, So I just don't see how how that's a winning issue for him maybe they both came out around the same time both those two news stories I was just talking about so maybe he released one of them in order to or not released one of them but maybe he did this executive privilege thing in order to counterbalance the news coverage on him so that less people would see the news that he lost a billion dollars in the course of 10 years or whatever or vice versa I don't know Um, But more bad I guess if bad news comes out Throw a few other bad things into there as well Just to You know, get it all out there at once Get it all out there at once, right? And then all that does is helps him out In the long run I know right now that Donald Trump has His highest approval rating yet Of his presidency Somewhere around like 48-49% Or something like that So That's really good for him right now that it, it, it leads towards his election he has a strong he's gonna able to run on a strong economy if he wants to as long as he doesn't you know muddy the waters too much i think he's smooth sailing a lot of people are saying that so but those are the two news pieces i wanted to bring you guys today as well and i had some other stuff i might want to talk about maybe about the libertarian party and the people that are running but i guess i could save that for tomorrow or the next day or or whenever. So I appreciate you listening, though. I really do. Um, I hope you had a great Thursday. If you're listening in the morning, I hope you do have a good Thursday. And uh, if you're listening later on, just have a great day. But, uh, you know, if you can, go ahead and subscribe to the show so you can come back tomorrow and listen, and then you'll have clear vision for 2020.